The podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you with the cooperation of the SJ Network. If you're a person who needs a publicist and you want to appear on podcasts, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. Today on Too Many Podcasts, we get to meet Sarah K. Ramse of the Toxic Person Proof Podcast. Henry, do you know how to avoid toxic people? Sure. They're the ones in my medicine cabinet with the skull and crossbones on them. No, that's for toxic chemicals, not toxic people. Unless you're being followed by pirates again. Well, they do become toxic after hearing me say, shiver me timbers, one too many times. Attention, rebels of the Sherpolution. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We would like to give you a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial simply by heading to www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts, including this one, to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now, the one and only Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa chalet. As a reminder, the elevator does not make it to the top floor. And the same can be said for the Sherpa. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hello there, Rebels, and welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts and so much more. Welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show if it's your first time listening, if you are listening for the first time, you've tuned in to a good episode. Well, I can say that for all of my episodes, right? It's a good episode, and you're going to enjoy it. I can promise you that. Who am I? Jim the Podcast Sherpa. That's how I know this is going to be a good show. I don't know what that means, but hey, that works. Before we get started, and I'll let you know a little bit about my guest, I wanted to tell you a little story. There is this website, and it's called reddit.com. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. Uh, It's a big posting social type network site. I guess people go there for answers and responses or whatever. They have all these little subreddit groups and all of that. You know, it's it's a big deal. I know uh, if you remember a while back, there was an issue with some Reddit users causing a little havoc in the stock market by throwing a lot of money into stocks that weren't doing so well to screw up some people's hedge funds. Well, you know, the way that I feel about it is, you know, people are going to make money the way they're going to make money. I can't really comment on that. I'm not a financial expert. I've never claimed to be. So I figured, you know what, there's a lot of users there. And I noticed there are groups where people are looking for podcast recommendations. Bing, light bulb comes on, right? So That's what we do here on Too Many Podcasts, just in case you've never been here before. And I've got Sherpa suggestions. So I figured, okay, well, let me sign up for Reddit and see what happened. So I type up my opening post and I say that I'm a podcaster and I could recommend shows if people are interested. And I said I was looking to expand my audience, but that was really the extent of my description of myself as a podcaster. I didn't say the name of the show, Too Many Podcasts. I didn't say the website that you can go to to listen to all the episodes, SherpaLution.com. Or I didn't say the social media links that you could go to follow, SherpaLution, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I didn't say any of that. Just basically that I was a podcaster. So I posted it. I thought it was good. I thought it was nice. It was funny. 
welcoming, you know, so people wouldn't be afraid to ask questions, because that's what I was really hoping for. People asking me for recommendations. Sherpa, what do you think? Figure this is the way this is going to work. I post it. Next day, I get an email from the moderator, if they want to call it that, at Reddit saying that they've blocked my post because it's self-promotion. So I wrote back to them and I said, well, if it's self-promotion, could you please tell me what exactly I'm promoting if I didn't say the name of the podcast or where they can access it or anything else about the podcast for that matter? I just said that I was a podcaster. It's no different from me saying that I'm a singer or I was a late night TV show host or an athlete or anything like that. It's, you know, it's what people do. So I sent it back. They never gave me a response. And their response was, well, we're just going to keep it blocked and we'll give you another chance to post something. So I'm thinking that's pretty nervy. So Reddit, you know what you can do at your second chance. I'm not going back on there again. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to deleting my account. And that's probably already happened by the time that you are listening to this recording. So we have no use for you, Reddit. (laughs) So... I have no problems with Reddit users, but if you know a Reddit user who doesn't listen to podcasts, but they're looking for recommendations, send them over here, surepollution.com. I will gladly answer their questions. And you know who else is going to answer my questions? My guest today. Who's our guest today, Sherpa? Her name is Sarah K. Ramsey. She is the host of the Toxic Person Proof podcast. And she's down in Tennessee and she was in her closet when I interviewed her. That's where she records because the acoustics are there. A lot of podcasters do that, believe it or not. Me, no. I just recorded on the toilet. No, I didn't say that out loud. No. Okay. No, I really don't. And we talked a lot about her podcast and about toxic people. And I guess a lot of us do have them in our lives and her podcast. And she's also written a book about it help you to deal with these types of people without putting them in the hospital. (laughs) That's a good thing. Sarah's a good person. And she's actually also a former beauty pageant contestant. We get into that story too. It's a fun story. She was a fun lady and so nice to speak with. So let's have a listen to my conversation with Sarah K. Ramsey of the Toxic Person Proof podcast. Hello there, Rebels. We are here in the non-toxic room of the Sherpa Chalet. <laughs> we helped, right? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm here with a life strategist and a toxic relationship expert. She is the author of Becoming Toxic Person Proof. That's a mouthful, right? It's like That's right. And, and the host of the Toxic Person Proof podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> Her name is Sarah K. Ramsey, and she's joining us from outside of the closet now <laughs> in her home in Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello. Yes, I told Jim I was recording from the closet because I have a lovely soundproof podcast room upstairs, but it echoes. So I have gone back into the closet for my meeting with the Sherpa. <laughs> so I should I have actually greeted you with hello, wonderful, right? Is that how you start your show? Uh, it is. So I start everything. I say, hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And um, I felt so silly at the beginning. But I've had so many people since then say they kind of go into the mirror and say, hello, wonderful. And it's been such like a piece of their um, their daily routine. So a good, a good message for some 
sometimes we do things for other people that we may feel stupid, but then it becomes a part of their healing journey. So well worth it. There's no negative connotation with a phrase like that either. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a little sing-songy, you know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> try to be positive, right? I talk about a very heavy subject, um, toxic relationships. Uh, you know, every expert says there's either one out of every 10 person has a personality disorder or one out of every five. They argue on the numbers, but none of us are exempt from toxic personalities. And so how can we take a very serious subject and have enough humor and grace uh, to get through it with a real conversation. So that's my goal. So did your book beget the podcast or did the podcast beget the book? Which, which came okay. first? <laughs> it's live confessions here. So I am a off the charts extrovert. I'm not sure if you've picked up on that yet. And so every personality test I've ever taken has said I'm like a hundred percent extrovert. Like my, my downtime, my introvert time is just I hardly need any. Even if I'm working by myself, I want to be in a coffee shop where there's still people buzzing around me. So my podcast, the Toxic Person Proof podcast was my COVID coping strategy. And I just, I mean, I literally had social anxiety in the opposite way of not meeting people, not having interesting conversations. I just, I had said a long time ago, I was wanting to do a podcast, but it came to life uh, when I needed, I needed the humans. And so it was a great, great COVID project. I released five a week now. Um, so I think you're my third podcast interview of the day. Uh, either I'm on or someone else is on mine. And I love it. I, I love real conversations about real things and interesting stories and interesting people, um, all over the world. So I, I absolutely love it. So Podcast first, even though I had already started writing my book, and then came the book. I'm sure probably what you were talking about in the podcast definitely fueled what you were putting into the book as well. Well, one of the interesting things about the podcast is being able to talk to all the authors that I read that were influential to me. Uh And it was like, oh my gosh, they're really like, they they emailed me back. Oh my gosh, you know? So then they're (laughs) coming on. And now I can call them friends, you know? and uh, creating this lovely social network of people to reach out to. So it's so cool to have had books that I read and now people are like, oh, that's a great book. I was like, yeah, she was on my podcast. Um, And it's just such a fun way to live. Such a fun way to live. Doing a little research, you were a beauty pageant contestant. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So they talk about, of all the interesting things I've done, this is the thing people want to talk about. So I did my first beauty pageant, which is also a COVID strategy. Obviously I struggled with COVID. I had to have lots of Lots of coping strategies, um, healthy coping strategies. And so I talk to my clients all the time about doing things that scare them. But obviously public speaking, writing a book, putting yourself out there on the Internet, these things don't scare me. That would scare many people. Uh, So entering my very first beauty pageant after two nine-pound babies and having to do a swimsuit competition during covid That'll scare you. And I was competing against 23-year-olds who'd been married for six weeks. I was in a Mrs. competition uh, in Mrs. Tennessee and was a finalist. 
if Mrs. Tennessee had won Mrs. America and she was like three or four down the line, she was very high ranking, then I would have been Mrs. Tennessee. So, but it was scary. I mean, I didn't play with makeup growing up. I was a piano major. So I was always practicing piano instead of playing in makeup and hair. And so it was it was really putting myself out there, but it was a great experience. <laughs> and being an extrovert too, I'm sure when you've got all those people around you, but yet you're, you're in competition. How does that work? Well, it was interesting because she, <laughs> she kind of said, Sarah, you don't look like you're having fun. And I was like, no, I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to like not make a fool of myself. Uh, you know, that was my goal. And so I really got my serious face on. I did make friends there, but I definitely had my serious face on because I knew they had all done pageants before. I mean, the girl who won, she had been doing pageants since she was a child. So it was very second nature to them and nothing was intuitive. Nothing was second nature to me. You know, I was having to like, okay, what are the rules? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, and so it was a real learning curve, but it really helped me figure out where I pull from when, if I may say it, shit hits the fan, you know, and it's like uh, the, <laughs> the scary places in me and I have to pull from that. So um, overall, a great experience. I'm so proud to be an ambassador of that program and the Mrs. America um, for American Association. So it's, it's so cool now, but if people are like, are you doing another pageant? I'm like, no. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm good. One and done. One and done. I did. I got everything I needed to out of that one. I was looking for a scary experience and succeeded. And now I'm done. (laughs) Is there anything else on your bucket list that that you would want to do that scares you? Great question. And I'm at a real, um, to be honest with you, my life completely fell apart. I was such a people pleaser. And um, my I was driving my several friends around uh, in the car, several um, mothers around. And no drugs, no drinking, no prescription drugs, completely blacked out while I was driving from stress. And they were, I was driving, they were all in the car, and I just let go of the wheel in the middle of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, an intersection, like the deep heart of Charlotte. It was a real wake-up call to me, obviously very scary. Um, knew I needed to make some major life changes and then rebuilt myself. I mean, really burned my life down and rebuilt it again. And so really what scares me is like, I'm not even 40. Like what, what else is going to happen? Like, so I don't think it's like a bucket list thing. It's like, whoa, like I've had so much life experience and so many things that have happened in my thirties. What is life going to teach me next that I'm going to have to, that's what scares me. In a good way, too, because obviously it was great what happened, and I'm so happy to be where I am now, but that's what—that's really what scares me, honest answer. <laughs> the 30s are like a weird transition period because you've, you've got your independence in your 20s, and you're mm-hmm. going out a lot more. That's probably like the height of your social life, I think. Mm-hmm. And then 30s, like the 20s seem kind of like, well, I don't really need to do this anymore, and I got to start focusing on me. And then by the time you're in the 40s, you know, most people are settled down or you know, approaching that. So it, it's, it's a weird kind of transition for your mind, I would imagine. Yeah, and I am, I am very happily married mm-hmm. and very happy with my family life. But I think if I took a personality test, it, you know, it would say never settles down, really. And so, uh, you know, if it's going to be another book or it's going to be spreading this message, uh, you know, doing public speaking, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds because I am not one to 
settle down, but it's not sowing my wild oats. It's, uh, you know, sowing my message. Sure. Yeah. It's a different kind of settle. You have your commitment, but you can commit yourself to things and, you know, keep the commitment to the people. I love, I love my people going through, you know, hell. And I, I mean, it was just hell, uh, that, that, that rebirth, you know, I call it Sarah 2.0 now. And the people who stuck with me through that or who are still with me on this side of the fire, gosh, they are just like, I love them. Like I have no desire to trade them in. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for their, for their friendship. Mm-hmm. Your journey kind of started with a tragedy that had happened, I guess, in your local area with someone where there was a young woman that was murdered. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, along with my own personal journey of people pleasing and toxic relationships, I, um, there was a beautiful cheerleader named Emma Walker who was shot in her bed by her toxic boyfriend. And obviously it received national news. It was like, there's a dateline on it. And it's a huge deal for so many reasons. Um, And I started a mental health campaign for teens. I remember um, walking into the principal's office of that school, just weeping, um, just, oh my gosh, if, if she had known the red flags to look out for if you know, she hadn't gotten into this relationship, how many other girls? Um, And so really starting that mental health campaign, before before I went into this work and what I realized there's so many people who want to help their teens but these teens need role models they need their parents to role model good behavior not just tell them what mistakes not to make and so now uh, I do coaching for women who have experienced pain from a toxic parent or partner and help them reconnect with what's right with them become toxic person proof and design lives they're excited about living. And your podcast is geared mostly towards women, or, or is it really for everybody? I have some guys. My lots of guys have really enjoyed my book, um, and yeah, probably more females. But I mean, I had this week on my podcast, I had someone from uh, who wrote the Career Toolkit. They uh, are a professor. At, I don't know. They teach at MIT. They're actually a CTO. So I don't know if they, but but you know. That's definitely not geared towards women. You know? <laughs> it is really about rebuilding a beautiful life after tragedy, rebuilding a beautiful life after a toxic relationship, rebuilding a beautiful life when you didn't think you were going to have to. And that means having an amazing career. That means finding love again. That means feeling confident enough to do a swimsuit competition in the middle of COVID or whatever it is for you that's scary. <laughs> and there's a lot of conversation around toxic relationships like, what is a narcissist? What is a red flag? What is this? What is that? And when I looked around at this process, I was like, whoa, everything about toxic relationships is still about the toxic person, which means their life is still revolving around the toxic person. And like, who is talking about a true life after a beautiful life after where it's not about them anymore? They're not in your head. You're that's in your past. So that's where I fit into the conversation is rebuilding that amazing life after a toxic relationship. Talk a little bit about like what constitutes a toxic person. So people kind of have a good understanding of that. Yeah. 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 Um, always look for a pattern of behavior. Everybody has bad days. Okay. There are some people who they're always angry. They're always moody. They're always playing the victim. They're always lying. They're always irresponsible. They're always, it's a real pattern of behavior (laughs) and more consistent, the pattern, the more likely they are to be toxic. Um, and that's what we miss. We see trees like, you know, somebody will be married. They'll go to a therapist and say, 
oh, this one incident happened. They talk about that one tree and it's like, it's stuck in their head. All they can see is that tree and they miss the whole forest. And it's like, well, the reality is that person has been selfish in a hundred circumstances in the last three years, but you're talking about a one-off, right? And that's really where we get the conversation gets really murky. Like this one time, why do you think they did this? Rather than kind of taking the 30,000 foot view and seeing the whole forest of, oh, there's a pattern of inconsistency, a pattern of not keeping their word, a pattern of lies, a pattern of whatever it is. Um, If it helps, there's a phrase, there's a difference between the dog who bites you once and the dog who bites you daily. I don't get extra points for people who get divorced. Right. I, I don't, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, are you trying to push everyone out of their relationships? It's like, no, I, there's no report card for me that I get extra points if you like decide to break up with them. I, there, there's no report card for me. It's just really keeping being honest with yourself and honest about the pattern because breaking up or getting a divorce or setting boundaries with a parent or a, an adult child is incredibly difficult. That's an incredibly large decision. And it's an important decision to take very, very seriously. And if relationships can be saved, they, they should. However, a lot of people, I see them in this like, well, it's been terrible for eight years. Wow, really? Well, how, you know, and the plan is to give it eight years more and just kind of hope it all works out. That's the pattern I'm wanting to break is kind of really looking at the actions that are actually happening rather than the the story you hope is going on in your head. And, and sometimes with an outsider looking at it too, the person experiencing it probably is not putting all the pieces together. You, no. Like you said, you know, they, they, they focus on one event, but it's like, well, yeah, you know, there were probably things that were leading up to that. And like you said, the red flags. What are some of the red flags that, that you refer to? Definitely um, a blame shifting. So blame shifting, like something that probably is their fault, making it your fault, making it seem like everything's your fault. If you hadn't made me mad, then I wouldn't have had to do that. If you hadn't been late, then I wouldn't have had to cheat on you. And those are things that really, like people say, Mm -hmm. or very, very um, image conscious, especially with a toxic parent. It's like, okay, this is who, this is the role you're supposed to play. And you're really my puppet. One of my interests in the pageant world is how many pageant females end up in toxic relationships because they're looking for like the trophy wife or something like that. And it's just, you're a puppet instead of a person or a prop. And lots of parents do that with their kids. Toxic parents do that with their kids. They're not looking for who they are. They're looking for how to make them look good. Um, And then spouses do that as well. So how do people fall into this? Is it their self-esteem? Is is it just that they're meeting somebody who's they're giving them a little extra attention. So this must be a good guy. This must be the guy that I'm meant to be with. Mm-hmm. When in yeah. reality, they're just, they're just giving you those little, they're really throwing up red flags when you don't even realize. It. Well, in a toxic relationship, one person is always getting the better end of the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you consider yourself someone who's like, I'm giving, I'm pretty selfless, you know, I'm more interested in our relationship than being right. These are really great qualities if you're not in a toxic relationship. They are really dangerous qualities to have if someone's trying to take advantage of you or always be selfish or make you believe in yourself less or, you know, keep you confused. So you, you know, what they call trauma bonding, right? Like what really, 
I don't, did that really happen? Well, I, I guess that, I guess I did make him mad, you know, and that confusion, then they come in as the savior. Well, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you this time. So not only did you not do something wrong, they made you feel like it was your fault. And then by forgiving you, they, they became God, right? They were judgment and pardon, you know, and that's uh, whether parent or partner, that's a really, or friend. I see it happen in friendships. It's a really dangerous dynamic. Um, But a lot of times it's people who are very conscientious and who are willing to do the work of the relationship. Uh, I use the example in my book of being a um, college piano major. When someone would put a sheet of music in front of me, when I first saw it, a Beethoven sonata, I couldn't play it or I couldn't play it that well. And the more I practiced, the harder I worked, the more it became a masterpiece, the more it became, you know, music and beautiful music. And whether it's developing a podcast, developing a business model, developing your back handspring, developing calculus, whatever it is, high achieving people have things in their life that they worked really hard at. And then they got their A, they got the payoff, they got the degree, there was there was a reward for their work. And some people are codependent and just needy and have low self esteem. Absolutely, that happens. But we're really missing this dynamic of people who are actually pretty confident, but they were also confident that with enough work, they could make the relationship work. There's always, I guess, some sort of degree of manipulation by the toxic person. This is really what you're saying. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're physically abusive or anything like that. They're just, I mean, I'm sure that's, that's part of it, but like you said, it's just psychological. They're, they're, they're playing with the, the person's head. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't mean to minimize people who are doing domestic violence awareness because obviously that's important, but I also kind of like make a joke and it's like, Oh, were we not, do we not know that you weren't supposed to hit the people you were sleeping with? Like, do we really have to have like domestic violence? Do we not know that was a problem? Um, Either the people shouldn't do that. And right now too much of the conversation is in like what I would call stage four cancer. Okay, so you can imagine if in the cancer conversation, we only addressed it when it got to stage four. It was only a problem when we were about to die, rather than when we talk about cancer awareness, doing precancerous screenings, um, having a healthy diet to help prevent cancer. That's really where the toxic conversation needs to go, because sure, yes, absolutely physical abuse. But at that point, you're in stage four cancer rather than having the conversation of us knowing, of our kids knowing, of the next generation understanding those precancerous cells so that we go in for cancer screenings and take care of it before it gets to stage four. Uh, being a mom, do you have mm-hmm. sons or daughters? Both. Okay, you have a son and a daughter. What's the advice that you would pass on to them, what they should be aware of as they, you know, when they get like to dating age and relationship age and even in uh, employment situations too? Yeah. So an example we use in our house all the time is we take turns at the top of the pyramid. Okay. So I want you to imagine a family structure and one little Johnny is always at the top of the pyramid. Little Johnny's a tyrant. He's always mean. He's always frustrated. He's always throwing things. He's always this. He's this, the whole family dynamic revolves around little Johnny. Okay. So little Johnny is toxic, right? And a healthy dynamic is a structure where people can take turns being the most important person in the room. Cause that's really what toxic behavior is. It's like, 
I'm always important. My needs, my wants, my desires, my feelings, my hurts are always more important than yours. Okay. And if you, if you really think about taking turns as simple as that is, we all learned it in preschool. Right. And that's what, you know, sometimes people like, Oh, I just think I, you know, I'm really hoping he's going to change. I'm like, he's 45 and doesn't know how to take turns. He has been hearing that he should take turns for 43 years. He's not going to learn. He doesn't want to take turns. Right. It's really that simple of, okay, sometimes my needs are, the most important. Sometimes your needs are the most important. And we talk about that, you know, um, if it's my daughter's birthday, for example, I was like, she's at the top of the pyramid. She gets to make the choice. She gets to pick where we go to dinner or what we're doing that day. Or, you know, my son had strep there recently. Well, he's at the top of the pyramid, right? His needs, his wants, his desires are at the top. Kids understand that immediately. They understand the concept of taking turns and really saying in a healthy relationship, People take turns. You need that balance. That's, yeah, yeah, when it's unbalanced, then you're already in trouble. Yeah, and that's just a very easy explanation that it's like, wait, it's never my turn. And if you've been in a toxic relationship, you understand that language immediately. Wait, it was, it was never my turn. Wow, it was never my turn. You know, and that realization can be really like <laughs> triggering because it's like, oh, I just kept giving and giving and giving, thinking it would eventually be my turn. So uh, if we can teach our kids um, to have relationships, where people take turns and play by the same set of rules. It's not one set of rules for John and another set of rules for Sally. Play by the same set of rules as much as possible. And I mean, obviously household duties, you know, my husband pulls the weeds and I do most of the laundry, but we both feel like we're getting a good deal out of the relationship. Right. You're both putting something into it in in a Mm -hmm. physical sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was reading uh, one of your blog posts about bad advice that people get. (laughs) That's my news. And, and yeah. it's really fascinating, though. You really, I think I, you touched on every single point in this article. And that's what happens, though. You, you know, and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier with what you were saying, where, oh, he's going to change. You know, don't worry. You know, or maybe it's you. Maybe you're just your standards are too high and there's no fixing in this relationship. It's just it, it's somebody's fault. And the, the real problem in the relationship, it really isn't being addressed. Gosh, no. And what's not being addressed is that there's two different set of rules people are playing by Mm -hmm. and one person always winning. And that's also a great way to tell because, you know, I know the word narcissist is very popular right now. It's very difficult. It's like every divorce is like, well, they were a narcissist or she was crazy or whatever. And it's like, well, who is telling the truth? And it's pretty easy to see who is getting the better end of the deal. And there's almost always, it's very clear, one person was getting to make all the rules and getting to break the rules and getting to enforce the rules. And the other person's job was to follow the rules, right? And that's pretty easy distinction to see who was, you know, that's the real problem, right? That's the real problem is that one person had all the power. They felt like they could make the rules and it could be victimy too, um, especially with toxic females. Oh gosh, you know, oh, you've got to save me. You've got to do this. I can't take care of myself. you got to do this for me. Toxic mothers are the worst about that. And um, it can be very uh, forceful or it can look very victimy. But either way, you are doing the work of the relationship and they are expecting you to do all the work of the relationship. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast, Toxic Person Proof. 
I, you said that you've, you've gotten to speak with a lot of authors that you really admire that, that came on your show. Were there any in particular, like any idols that you got to come on your show yet or? Yeah, I mean, all kinds. But Lundy Bancroft, who wrote Why Does He Do That, is just one of the leading experts um, in in this field. And I'm on his homepage now for our interview. It was so great. Um, Allison Armstrong is who handles all Tony Robbins relationship stuff. So she's on stage with Tony teaching his relationship stuff. So I was certainly excited to have her on there. Um, and I'm going to have Logan Urie um, coming up. And I have fangirled her book, How Not to Die Alone, which is a great, she talks about the science behind dating and healthy dating habits. Uh, so she's coming up in a couple of weeks. So she's one of the people I'm really excited to talk to as well. Is, is there another book from you in the future or you think... Yeah. 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 Do you need yeah. another closet to write it in, or I need another closet to write it in. I told him I recorded my entire audiobook in the middle of COVID, right? I couldn't get a recording studio. Like all the normal rules are just like out. So I had a, a really nice Yeti mic and the great sound of the um, closet, and I was sending files to Eastern Europe, and they were like <laughs> sending them back and telling me what to re-record. It was crazy, um, but yeah. So um, I'm really digging into the question, what problem are you trying to solve? And I see so many people trying to heal or trying to feel better in their life. And they say, well, I want to feel better or I don't want this to bother me. But those aren't really problems to solve. Those are emotions to have. And really getting them into like actionable problems they can solve to actually make a difference in their life rather than just feeling like they're walking in circles. So that's going to be my next book. You have like a, a set first step for people when you're dealing with clients. Uh, like this is the first thing that we need to do for you to, to kind of get you on the right path. Yeah. So there are three different kinds of problems. Okay. And this is from a book called, well, it started from a book called Design Your Life. Okay. So it's written by two men who are engineers and they said there's gravity problems and actionable problems. A gravity problem is something you cannot solve. We cannot solve the problem of gravity. I mean, kind of, you can fly an airplane, but for, for the most part, it's like, no, gravity exists. We all have to deal with it. You know, it, there's problems in our life that are gravity problems. Mm -hmm. Many of us, when our jobs shut down and whatnot for COVID, there were huge gravity problems. There were tons of things we could not control um, that we just kind of had to learn to accept. And when you're spending all your time worrying and fussing about gravity problems, you're going to be really frustrated and feel stuck. Um, now, I added the concept of abstract problems, okay? And uh, I could tell two men had written that book because women have these abstract problems, which is like, well, why do you think I think that? Why do you think it makes me bother? Do you do you really think I'm going to, but why would they do that? I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. And they kind of do this spin cycle in their head. Mm -hmm. So it's really analyzing why gravity problems are the way they are. Right. And okay. so you have these gravity thoughts, you have these abstract thoughts that keep you in spin cycle. And then you have actionable problems. And for example, stop asking why and start asking how, if you want to make more money, don't analyze why you got fired from your job and why you're not fulfilled and why you're this. Ask how you can get a resume into the right hands. Those are drastically different conversations and you will see momentum in your life shockingly quickly. The, the amount of people who make raises or get promotions after working with me for a short amount of time, and I'm not even a business coach, or is uncanny. But that's why. Right. It's like, OK, stop overanalyzing and get into your life again. Start actually solving these problems rather than talking about them. 
So it's that shift in attitude that's really got to take place before anything else is going to happen for them. Attitude and action and thinking, you know, why do you think it bothers me so much that she said that? It was like, well, you know, don't talk to her anymore. It it can be that simple. And when we get stuck in our heads, Mm -hmm. it becomes analysis paralysis. And we, our bodies think we're doing the work of solving our problems because we're worrying but all we're doing is worrying. We're not going anywhere, you know? And if our lives want to go somewhere, we've we got to change that thinking. Since this is a podcast about podcasts, and we both happen to have one, I was curious, what podcasts do you like to listen to, Sarah? Oh, gosh. So I, I've been recently listening to Humans in Love, uh, which is a relationship podcast a lot on jealousy, which I find fascinating. Um, I listen to Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, is such a great social media strategist. I was able to meet him. And then I'm a huge fan of all things uh, Gretchen Rubin, who wrote The Happiness Project, and uh, all her stuff on um, just little hacks for happiness is really great. And we have a portion of the show, and it's called Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-Promotion. <laughs> this is where you can let everybody know where they can find out more about you and the services that you provide and about your book and about your podcast and anything else you'd like to promote. Yeah. So uh, if you Google the words toxic person proof, you're going to find all things Sarah, you know, my book, my podcast and my website. Um, I do run a program called the wonder Woman program. Uh, I, if I told you how good it was, you wouldn't believe me. So just look at all the screenshots on my website. <laughs> and I said, I don't ask people for testimonials because when it's like, Oh yeah, I got a $60,000 bonus. It's like hard to believe. Cause I'm not a, you know, I'm not necessarily a business coach. So I just have all these little screenshots of, of all these lovely, lovely, lovely reasons that I wake up in the morning and I got one today and it was somebody who saved her current relationship and is now engaged because she got the toxic past of her toxic ex-partner out of her head and she's left me several months ago and she's like I just think about what you said every day you just shifted so many things for me and it is such a privilege and a pleasure to like wake up to these text messages and wake up to these emails and wake up Um, and I just kind of even when I look at my reviews and stuff on my book I just kind of like pinch myself and say is this my real life like is this you know is anyone at some point going to like hate me and say bad things? Cause they're all so nice, you know, and I, I try to be nice back. And, um, and I really, really care about what I do and the women that I work with. And I am on a mission to make this language about toxic relationships and playing by the same set of rules and taking turns, um, into like, common language. I want this to be the norm um, that people understand because right now the language is around like codependency and trauma bonding and gaslighting. And those are really confusing concepts um, that are basically impossible to teach our children and help prepare them. So yeah, definitely check that out. And you can check out my website at sarahkramsey.com. She is the host of the Toxic Person Proof Podcast. See, I said that a lot better this time. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Second time's so a charm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Ramsey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. Be a rebel. Follow the show at Sherpolution on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. 
So in addition to the Toxic Person Proof podcast, here are a few other podcasts that you might want to check out if you've got maybe a lot of toxic people in your life. Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. It's not normal, it's toxic. Rid your life of toxic people. The Toxic Person Detox. Narcissistic Abuse No More. Love and Abuse. And Healthy, forward slash toxic, colon, Relationships with Narcissistic Borderline and Others. So there's a lot of help for you out there. So don't ever feel like you're trapped in a rough relationship and just get smart and know what you got to do. These folks will help you. And having spoken to Sarah about her podcast and about what she does for a living, she's definitely a great source of inspiration. Do we really need that colon in there? It had nothing to do with my colon, don't worry. A very special thanks to Sarah K. Ramsey for coming on down to the Shepherd Chalet. Hope she had fun, and I hope you guys really enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. You know what? We'll be back next week. Of course we will with a conversation with Richard Wilmore of The Richard Wilmore Show. This guy has got a streaming show that's going to be on your streaming devices, your streaming video devices. You download an app and you can see his show. And he features a lot of unknown talent, bringing them out into the media and helping discover them. And we had a lot of fun. He's more than just a Rosie O'Donnell obsessed talent show host. He is a really great guy and you're going to get to know him and hear some amazing stories about him as well. Make sure you tune in next week. I'll be here, I promise. And so will Mr. Bruce, right, Mr. Bruce? Now, if you don't mind, sir, if you could grab the door for everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Viva la Sherpolution. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Sherpolution. Viva la Chapelition. <coughs> oh. Yell, come back now, you hear?